Thanks for tuning in to the Renew Life Church Lubbock podcast today. We hope this message encourages you as you allow God's word and his presence to change your life. Um, I've got a word today that uh, I'm excited about sharing. Um, I, uh, I just I have this intention today to, to just impart something hopefully that uh, brings courage, belief, um, grittiness is the word that uh, I feel like the Lord's been speaking to me about, and grittiness is the, the ability to be courageously persistent. I want to leave you with something, hopefully, that you step into a courageous persistence as it is uh, when you're believing God for something in your life. And so um, I feel like uh, Ecclesiastes chapter 10, verse 10, kind of, it shares a little bit about what I feel like I'm on assignment for today. It says that if he acts as dull, and he does not sharpen its edge, then he must exert more strength. Say more strength. But wisdom, to sharpen the axe, helps him succeed with less effort. I feel like the enemy has been working overtime to dull your edge, so that not to remove you from the position that you're in, but to make it harder for you to do the things that you used to do with ease. And so the intention today, by the word, is to hopefully bring a new edge to your axe. Amen. And so I'm excited just about what God is doing. I, I preached this message um, last week in Midland. And um, so if you've listened to it, I'm sorry, you're going to get it again. Uh, that's that's going to be totally fine. But I feel like the Lord kind of prompted me to go this direction. Of um, So it had been a week ago on Friday. I was getting ready. I had a direction for uh, that message. And normally it's it's kind of a process for me, and, but this time the process was a little earlier. I was thankful to the Lord that I had a plan and I had a direction early in the week because normally it's Friday or Saturday, the day before. And so I was ahead of the game. I was happy. I was like, Lord, finally we were on the same page. And then I went to the office to get ready, and he was like, I want you to get ready in the sanctuary. And I want you to just, I want you to take your notes and I want you to take your things and I just want you to get on the stage and I just want you to prepare there. And so I did and I started, I found myself walking and pacing and praying and I was praying in the spirit and I was praying in tongues and I'd pray in English and I was declaring things over uh, the people and I was declaring things over this church, Renew Life Church, and I was declaring things over our city and I was just, I was warring on behalf of people. I could tell that I was pressing and breaking into something that that God had purposefully put in me. And so as I was doing this, the Lord started sharing uh, books of the Bible with me with chapter numbers attached to them. And I would hear one and I would just speak it out and I would declare it over whatever I was praying in the moment. And I would start pacing again. And I would, at one point I was skipping. I ain't skipped in so long, my calves were so sore after. I just felt like the Lord was charging me with something. And, and this just goes on for two to three hours, just this back and forth with me and the Lord. And, and it was just this really, really radical moment where I knew that I was stepping into this place of, of not getting people ready for battle, but helping people that are in a battle. Not getting people ready to get on the front lines, but people that are in the middle of a war. And I believe that if you're in this room and you can hear my voice, you're here for a reason, and you're literally in a war. There's something going on around you right now that's going around every single person. There's an attack for your religion. There's an attack for your relationship with Jesus. There's an attack on your freedom. There's an attack everywhere that you go. We are under some sort of attack. And so my intention today is to bring an edge to your ax so that you can use it in the middle of a war. Amen? Y'all ready to go with me? Yeah. Amen. I love it. Sweet. Um, we're going to go into one of the, one of the books and chapters that, that I feel like the Holy Spirit was speaking to me that day. Uh, we're going to go into Daniel chapter 6. 
And uh, I'm, I'm just going to give you a warning. I'm going to read verses 1 through 24. We're going to read it together. I'm not going to paraphrase and tell you the story of Daniel being tossed in the lion's den. You may know this story. If you don't know the story, great. I want you to get familiar with it. I feel like in this season, uh, you, you should really be paying attention to the words that are written in your Bible. And focus on words. The Lord's going to start speaking, I believe, for some of us that are word people. He's going to start revealing layers and layers and layers of revelation off of one word. So if you're a studier of the Bible, be ready to write and be ready to, to study and be ready for the Lord to reveal things that you've been asking about. Because I, I, I feel that we're stepping into just a, deep, a deeper place of, of what God meant when he said. Because God is a sayer. Amen? So we're going to read... Daniel chapter 6, we're going to start in verse 1. I'm going to get a drink because it's a lot of scriptures. Just kidding. Y'all good? Everybody on this side good? Okay, love it. So starting in verse 1, Daniel chapter 6. It said, It pleased Darius to set over the kingdom 120 satraps to be over the whole kingdom. And over these three governors, of whom Daniel was one, and that that the satraps might give an account to them so that the king would not suffer, would suffer no loss. Then this Daniel distinguished himself above the governors and satraps because an excellent spirit was in him. And the king gave thought to setting him over the whole realm. So you have an excellent spirit in Daniel and he's getting set up for promotion. So the governors and the satraps sought to find a charge against Daniel concerning the kingdom, but they could find no charge or fault because he was faithful, nor was there any error or fault found in him. Then these men said, we shall not find any charge against this Daniel unless we find it against him concerning the law of his God. So these governors and satraps thronged before the king and said thus to him, King Darius, live forever. All the governors of the kingdoms and the administrators and satraps, the counselors and the advisors have consulted together to establish a royal statute to make a firm decree that whoever petitions any god or man for 30 days except you, O king, shall be cast into the den of lions. Now, O king, establish this decree and sign the writing so that it cannot be changed according to the law of the Medes and the Persians, which does not alter. Therefore, King Darius signed the written decree. Now, when Daniel knew that the writing had been, was signed, he went home, and in his upper room, with his windows open towards Jerusalem, he knelt down on his knees three times that day, and he prayed and gave thanks before, the, before his God, as was his custom since the early days. Then these men assembled and found Daniel praying and making supplications before his God. And they went before the king and spoke concerning the king's decree. Have you not signed a decree that every man who petitions any God or man within 30 days except you, O king, shall be cast into the den of lions? The king answered and said, The thing is true according to the law of the Medes and the Persians, which does not alter. So they answered and said before the king, That Daniel, who is one of the captives from Judah, does not show due regard for you, O king, or, with, or for the decree that you have signed, but makes his petition three times a day. And the king, when he heard these words, was greatly displeased with himself and set his heart on Daniel to deliver him. And, to, and he labored till the going down of the sun to deliver him. Then these men approached the king and said to the king, Know, O king, that it is the law of the Medes and the Persians that, do, that, that no decree or statute which the king established may be changed. So the king gave the command, and they brought Daniel to cast him into the den of lions. But the king spoke, saying, 
to Daniel, your God whom you serve continually, he will deliver you. Then a stone was brought and laid at the mouth of the den, and the king sealed it with his own signet ring and with the signets of his lords, that the purpose concerning Daniel might not changed, might not be changed. Now the king went to his palace and spent the night fasting, and no musicians were brought before him. Also his sleep went from him. Then the king arose early in the morning and went in haste to the den of lions. And when he had came to the den, he cried out with a lamenting voice to Daniel. The king spoke, saying to Daniel, Daniel, servant of the living God, has your God, whom you serve continually, been able to deliver you from the lions? Then Daniel said to the king, O king, live forever. My God sent his angels, my God sent his angel to shut the lion's mouth so they have not hurt me, because I, found, I was found innocent before you. And also, O king, I have done no wrong before you. Now the king was exceedingly glad for him and commanded that they should take Daniel up out of the den. So Daniel was taken out, up out of the den and no injury whatever was found on him because he believed in his God. Verse 24. And the king gave commandment, gave the commandment and they brought those men who accused Daniel. Notice what happened to the accuser. The men that accused Daniel and they cast them into the den of lions, them, their children and their wives and the lions overpowered them and broke all of their bones into pieces before they ever came to the bottom of the den. Such a strong, such a strong story um, and such a powerful one. And I believe, that, I believe that there's something simple and profound for each person in this set of, of scriptures. And, and I want to reveal just a few things that I feel like the Lord has shown me. Uh, but first, I want to pray, and then I want to share a story with you. So, Father, I thank you. I thank you for just giving us eyes to see and ears to hear. I pray that you would quicken us, Holy Spirit, that you would give us revelation on this, this word and that, that the things that come out, Father, that, uh, that they glorify you. I pray that you, you, you get to, to have all of the glory that people's eyes and their hearts and their gaze are set upon you today. I thank you, Father, for teaching us what it's like to live in relationship with you. Holy Spirit, I ask that you would remind us of the things that Jesus has taught us that you would begin to fire off certain things on the inside of us that, that compile together to bring this revelation uh, more, uh, more to the forefront of our minds, God. And Holy Spirit, I ask that you would teach us more, teach us all things as the scripture said that you would do. We give this time to you and we thank you for your word in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Uh, I want to ask the question of this. Have you ever been the target of a false accusation? Anybody? target of a false accusation. We've all kind of been in those situations. This is kind of where Daniel finds himself. Um, I, I'm going to share a story of a time that I fell into maybe the, the worst possible false accusation I'd ever fallen into. Uh, you can laugh at this story. I hope that you get um, encouragement from this story. I hope that you realize that there is courage. There is courage and there is also hope for you if you've ever been in a situation like I was been in. So in 2006 or seven, I worked for my granddad. I had received Jesus. I had stopped living like an idiot and because uh, that's what I was doing. Um, and I, I was working for my granddad's uh, air conditioning and heating company. We'd done this remodel on this house and we had changed out some equipment and there's contractors in and out of this house all over the place. And uh, so we finished the job, we leave the job, and the next morning I get to, to the office and there's a sheriff's car parked in the front. I'm like, hmm, I don't know what they're doing here. I know they ain't come and talk to me because I am a Christian and I am saved and I am sanctified and there is no fault or wrong in me. And they were there to talk to me. 
And so uh, basically they were coming to question me about a $500 gift card to a women's department store that was stolen from the house that I did work in the day before. And the reason they were coming to me is because the owner of the home didn't know me and accused me of it. He said, I, he's the only one that I don't know and I don't trust him, so I think it was him. So I tell them my story. I give them all the details of where I've been in the house and all of the things. And, and, and so I feel like everything's fine. He leaves, all good. Next day, I'm show up for work again. And there he is again. And I'm like, maybe I didn't say it in English. I didn't do it. And so we're gonna have this conversation again. Little did I know there was something that had crept up from my past that they found. And so they come with a warrant for my arrest for writing a check for $14.89 two years prior. And so as a Christian, there is hope for you because I went to jail. And if you go to jail as a Christian, you can still be a pastor in Jesus' name. <laughs> Amen. Uh, so they arrest me. They do all the things. I'm like, is this really necessary? I'm willfully going to go. Yes, it's necessary. Get in the car, all the things. So they take me, they take me into this interrogation room. It's this older gentleman that's uh, one of the sheriff's deputies, and this guy that arrested me is a young rookie cop, and it's so funny that I'm telling the story about getting arrested in church, and I feel totally fine with it. Um, and so anyway, they get me in the room, and they ask me all the questions, and I tell them once again, like, hey, this is what I did. This is where I was at. I'm totally innocent in the whole thing. And uh, then he asked this little, the, the rookie, I say it almost said little, this rookie cop, he wasn't little. Um, he's like, uh, do you have any questions for him? And this guy like gets in my face and just like gives me one of those like needling like in my chest questions. And I'm like, bro, I already told you. I didn't take this gift card. And he said, well, here's the problem. Um, man, looks like uh, you're, you're, in, you're in past when the judge likes his paperwork. So you're gonna have to sit here till tomorrow. And in the moment, I knew what was happening. I knew that the accusation was bringing me to this place where they were gonna hold me for something that I didn't do because I was innocent. And so I was like, well, if you're planning for me to, to sit until I confess, I'm gonna sit for a long time because I didn't do it. So they take me into what they, I don't know, I've heard a lot, of, a lot of different things. It was a cement room, drunk tank. There were drunk people. All of the things are in the room. And um, they set me in there from about 9.15 till 7.30 p.m. And so finally the door opens. And then, you know, like, you ever been in a situation like, oh, shoot, this is real? And then it gets, like, extra real like that? Well, the door opens, and there's, like, a stack of stuff, a bed and a sheet and some clothes and some sandals. And then they're like, you're going to go take a shower. You're going to change. This is what's happening. And then they're going to literally put me in with the people. And I'm like, oh my gosh, this is real. What am I about to do? Here I am, this like Christian kid. I feel like that I've, I've been washed of all of the things that I used to, would probably needed to be in jail for. And so I go in. It's just like the movies. It's two-story. This is so fun. It's two-story. There's, there's this big group of guys and there's one guy sitting on this one picnic table and everyone's just kind of around this guy and instantly like there's this aura around this guy like he is the one like if there is an issue go talk to this guy and he's going to take care of it for you but you just don't want him to be the one that's coming to you for the issue he's like this big tall bald scary tattoos looking guy and here I am just walking in I'm just like oh my gosh what is happening to my life right now the beautiful thing is, I think the guy was an angel because he recognized me from high school. 
the biggest, baddest guy. And he, and he walks across the room, he addresses me. It's like he validated me amongst all of the homies. And all of a sudden, like I got some street cred that I didn't know I had. And so in this moment, everything is totally fine. It's like the lion's mouth was shut for me. And uh, it's so funny to think about this story of just like I was just living my life doing my best to go after God, and then something, something came back to try to slow some things down. And this is exactly where we find Daniel in this set of scriptures. Daniel is in this position because of the excellent spirit that was in him and the fact that he was being set up for promotion. It was the two reasons. It said that they come to find a charge against him, but they couldn't find one because he had an excellent spirit. The king is literally considering putting Daniel over charge of everything in the realm. And so these other governors, these other two governors and these other officials, they see what's about to happen in Daniel's life. And they're so despising what's about to happen that they're like, we have to disrupt this thing and put him in a position where we can eliminate the threat. See, I believe that when you choose to start living your life in a different way, unlike you've ever lived it before, you not only grow in an excellent spirit and you get ready for promotion, but you become a target for the enemy. It just is what it is. And so this is the situation that I believe that Daniel finds himself in. Because of this excellent spirit, he was solely, solely targeted by these guys around him. When you start living from this place of being saved, and from this place of Jesus being Lord of all, you become a target, like I said, or a threat to the enemy. And the reason is because whether you know this or not, when you start living from this place of Jesus is Lord of everything in my life, less of you is available to be used by the enemy. The only way that he gets his will done on the earth is through vessels. We know that the scripture says that uh, wrestle is not against flesh and blood. We're not fighting people or fighting a realm that we can't see, but is as, as real as anything else in this room. And so when you start living from this place of Jesus is Lord of all, you find yourself being less available to be used by the enemy. The kingdom of darkness, I believe, is threatened in moments like these because there's now one less person operating out of fear. There's one less person that is spreading gossip. There is one less person that is cursing those people that Jesus also came to save. And in these moments, you're becoming a threat to the kingdom that is around you, the kingdom of darkness. This is exactly the place where Daniel finds himself. And in this moment of, of living from this place of Jesus is Lord of all, he gets to be in charge, there's now one more person that's walking the earth that's operating in the God-given authority that Jesus laid down his life for them to take up. In all of these things, your, your target is getting a little bit bigger, and this is, this is Daniel's life in a nutshell. And because of who he is, and because of the way that he lived, he was a threat. So the enemy devises plans of attack in these moments. It's like, what can I do to come down and dis 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 disrupt and disturb the peace and disrupt and disturb the path? What can I do to, to lay a trap for them so that they fall into it so they don't walk into more of who God says that they are? See, I think and I believe that the most, the most dangerous people that are on the earth are the ones that believe in Jesus and then also believe that they can do the things that Jesus said that they can do. 
And it happens when you're right, at the, right, right fixing to start walking into something new. Something comes to disrupt you. This is why it's so important, and this is why you, you carry a baby and you tend to a baby and you nurture a baby the way that you do at birth because they're so, they're so um, vulnerable to anything and everything that might come against them. The enemy works at the birth of things to, to, to work very, very fast to cause as much disruption and disturb as much peace as possible so that hopefully you'll think that you're in a pit with a lion that's so big that you should actually just lay down and quit because you're gonna die anyways. That's the, way that his, that's the way that his plan of attack works in every single life. And so this is, what, this is what these men do. They have the king write this whole decree out. For 30 days, you're the only God or you're the only man that can be petitioned, knowing that Daniel would not be able to adhere to these rules. Knowing that eventually it was gonna get Daniel into this place of being in this, this lion's den and so that their threat is eliminated so that hopefully their agenda gets to go forward. Y'all follow me? Some of you, I believe, and the reason I'm sharing this, I believe that you're in these kinds of situations. I believe that there are some people in the room, maybe not all of you, that are in some situations where manipulation is working against you, where accusation is coming against you. If you think about the woman caught in adultery, Jesus, it's one of the most profound stories in all of scripture. Jesus has this attitude, and there's two different attitudes, but this woman is literally brought into the middle of this room. Imagine us having this conversation, it not being me here, it being Jesus here, and then someone busting through the doors with a woman that they had caught in adultery, accusing her and expecting Jesus to follow the rule and the law of what Moses said that she should be stoned to death. And in this moment, you see Jesus take on the attitude of this, this advocate who is low and, and lowly with her, but then you have the accuser, and everyone has an accuser. And I believe that there are some people in the room that are dealing with accusations that are unfair. There is something that is trying to discredit you. Like I, I know that this is happening for us as a body because of what we're going after, but I think that it's pinpointed there's some people in the room. And so you should understand this, that if this is you and this is what's going on, there's one thing that closed the lion's mouth and there's one thing that brought... Daniel out of this place that you might find yourself in, and it was his belief in God. The lion's mouth was shut because of Daniel's belief in God. Daniel came out of the, the, the lion's den unscathed and unharmed because of this, his belief in God. And the title of the message is very simple. It's just believe God. It's an active relationship. It's an active faith. It's not, it's not something came against me and I believed God with the ED on the end of it. I believed and then I left it over here. I left it there and we're gonna see what God does with it. And now I'm just gonna go back and I'm just gonna keep doing the things that I did. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about an active faith that goes with you everywhere that you go. You're applying it morning and day. You're pressing into it morning and day. It's a 24-7, it's a 365. There's an active relationship that's happening with God. That's exactly what Daniel was, was doing. It was his belief in God that changed everything for him. And I propose to you today that if you need the Lord to shut the mouth of the enemy. Just believe God. Go back. Go back to your first love. 
Revelation chapter two talks about going back to your first love, remembering from where you have fallen, repent, and then do the first works again. Go back to believing God for your situation. Go back to believing God for your kids. Go back to believing God for whatever it is that you need him to be in your life. I believe that you should find yourself in this moment of figuring out a way to keep pressing in. If you're under an attack, don't lay down. If you feel accusational words coming against you, if you're being challenged by manipulation, if someone's trying to come in and change the, the story and, and, and skew it in, in a way that doesn't favor you, if the enemy is whispering in your ear that you're not going to make it and you're not good enough and you will fail again, he's reminding of you the first time or the second time or the third time, and he's saying it will happen to you again because you're not designed to go forward. I need you to keep pressing in. I need you to keep praying. I need you to keep giving, and I need you to keep going forward. Daniel's situation was changed because of his simple belief in God. I want to show you one thing really fast found in Psalm chapter 91. And I believe that if you're in one of these kinds of seasons, you should, you should know Psalm 91. You should start reading it, write it down, declare it over yourself, meditate on it. But in verses 9 through 13, says this, because you have made the Lord who is my refuge, even the most high, your dwelling place. No evil shall befall you, nor shall any plague come near your dwelling. For he shall give his angels charge over you to keep you in all of your ways. In their hands they shall bear you up, lest you dash your foot against a stone. You shall tread upon the lion and the cobra. The lion, the young lion and the serpent you shall trample underfoot. If you go back all the way to the, verse, the very first verse, we see that this psalm, it starts with this, this he who dwells in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. See, there's something powerful about dwelling in the secret place. It, it puts you in a position to not just withstand, but it gives you the supernatural ability to win in a time of war. Notice verse 13 one more time. It says, you shall tread upon the lion and the cobra. In the King James, it uses this word adder, which in the Hebrew means one who twists the truth. If you flash back to Daniel's story, there were people that were twisting the truth so that they could find an accusation against him. And Daniel did this thing that it said that was his custom. He went to his house. After he knew that this order was signed, he went to his house, went into his upper room, which was his quiet place, prayed three times that day. And eventually, he had victory over the lion and over the ones that were twisting the truth. And I'm saying this, what you do in the private matters. What you do in your private relationship with God, it matters. He who sees in the secret reward you openly is what it talks about in Matthew chapter six. What you do in this place of, I'm gonna set, I'm gonna set a room so that I can do the thing that I've been practicing doing. Daniel, Daniel wasn't doing anything brand new because he was under scrutiny. He didn't all of a sudden be like, oh gosh, this is the worst thing ever. Does the king even, I better go tell the king. Hey, King, do you, Darius, do you realize what these people are doing? So I got to tell you, King, here's what they're doing. They're actually tricking you. They're, and he, he doesn't go and make this petition before the King and say, someone is falsely accusing me like we normally do. 
We normally have to go and justify ourselves to the person that we feel like is being, we're being lied to about. He doesn't do that. He didn't need some new form of scrutiny to push him into practicing the things of God. It says that he just went into his upper room and did the things he had done from the beginning. If you're waiting to start pressing into God, you're, you're wasting your time. Start now. If we, 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 the days of us needing a reason to go after God, they're over. He's here and he's now and he's waiting. He's here and he's now and he's waiting. There's this open invitation. He who dwells in the secret place of the Most High. There's this, there's this thing that happens when we will make our, our, our lives one where we prepare a place for the Father to come and us to have this communion with him. There's something powerful about dwelling in the secret place where we slow down, where we rest, where we just stay for a little bit. We just choose to do something a little, a little different. Daniel was given the upper hand over the enemy because of his belief in God that started where? It started in his upper room where he prayed three times a day as was his custom. You gain an upper hand by what you do in the private place. What you do in the private sets you up to win in the public. This is what, this is what I want you to draw from this. As I, was, as I was having that moment with the Lord that Friday and, and he gave me this different direction, I was, I was praying and I wanna land this message with this. I was praying and as I prayed, this, this thing came out of me and it literally made me stop and I had not seen this before. I had never prayed this before. And sometimes I think when we might could, something could be said and it didn't land or didn't hit us the way that it needed to until we either said it ourselves or we read it ourselves. But I prayed this out and I said, Lord, I pray that you would thunder on behalf of your people, that you would do something radical on behalf of your people. And so I'm asking you for a loud thunder to literally run through anything and everything that's coming against your people. And so I stop and I'm like, okay, Lord, what was that all about? And so I found it in scripture, which is always a good place to find things when you're not not sure about him. First Samuel chapter seven, the children of Israel are being pursued by the Philistines, which was their enemy. It was the enemy of God's people. It was, it was, therefore it was an enemy of God. And Samuel tells them if they'll turn to the Lord with all of their hearts, they'll turn away from their gods. If they'll turn towards God with all of their hearts, that, that he will deliver them from the hand of the Philistines. He'll deliver them from the enemy. So we're gonna pick this up in, in verse eight of 1 Samuel chapter seven, it says this. So the children of Israel said to Samuel, do not cease to cry out to the Lord our God for us, that he may save us from the hand of the Philistines. And Samuel took a suckling lamb and offered it as a whole burnt offering to the Lord. Then Samuel cried out, with a, Samuel cried out to the Lord for Israel and the Lord answered him. Now as Samuel was offering up the burnt offering, the Philistines drew near to battle against Israel. But the Lord thundered with a loud thunder upon the Philistines that day, and so confused them that they were overcome before Israel. Notice this, and the men of Israel went out of Mezpat and pursued the Philistines and drove them back as far as Bethkar. What I want you to see is this, the Lord is thundering on your behalf, and I believe that he's causing accusations to be confused. Everything that's been assigned 
to you by the enemy to slow you down and to disrupt you, I believe that in the season, the Lord is thundering on your behalf. Notice who got to drive the enemy out of the land. It wasn't God. God just created enough confusion, enough of a diversion, where all of a sudden the people realized that God was on their side. And it says that the men of Israel who were once scared are now the ones that drove the enemy out of the land. Something happens when you know that the Lord is on your side. And I'm telling you prophetically that he is thundering on your behalf. I'm telling you that prophetically he is causing confusion against every single thing that's causing you to trip and causing you to stumble and trying to get you off of the path of promotion that the Lord has you on. It's just a matter of will you receive this or not. Thanks again for listening today. If you'd like to join us in person for church, Renew Life meets every Sunday morning at the YWCA at 6501 University Avenue in Lubbock, Texas. For more information on our ministry, check out renewlifechurch.com or find us on social media. We hope to see you soon.